Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, PA. And if you've listened to this podcast, which I hope you have before, you know, I've talked to people at all levels of government, from borough council like myself to U.S. Senate at all points in between, including a recent interview that posted a week or so ago with Congresswoman Mary Gay Scanlon. And I've talked with every state from Alaska to Florida and Maine to Hawaii. And today I'm going back to North Carolina both figuratively and literally, because I was just in Durham, and I saw a lot of signs there while I was there. I was visiting family. My brother-in-law and his wife lived there with their two beautiful babies, and I heard about this person with cool signs running for re-election, Bettina Umstead. She is the chair of Durham Public Schools, um, and she has a great career in public education. Um, She has been working to help kids live up to their promises, working on uh, injustices in education. She has been working on um, new programs for schools and also um, advisory board member of public school form in North Carolina, uh, vice chair of public schools before she was public schools chair, 2017 Durham Magazine Women of the Year, 2019 Durham Chapter of Charms First Lady, uh, and also a member of the Strategic Planning Committee, which I've talked about those kind of things before as well. But let's let her talk about her experience and background. Bettina, thanks so much for talking today. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here and join you on the podcast. Wonderful. So you have a lot of experience and been very active. I always ask people first, have you always been politically active or did something kind of spur you along that, you know, you were going to not just be a a voter in general elections, but take some more action than that? I've always been... um, a reader of news and history and love politics. Like this started um, when I was in high school, I would get the Sunday paper and wanna read everything that was happening in the world. And so when I started working with students um, in Durham and was realizing their experiences um, in the school system, and one parent told me, you know, I'm not sure sometimes when I drop my kid off at school if I'm doing the right thing, Mm. uh, because I'm not sure if this is like the best education experience for her. And I was like, oh, we gotta change that. This is a problem. Um, Most of the students here in Durham are black or brown. Most of their families qualify for free or reduced lunch. And so I'm thinking if we don't have a strong public school educational system, how does that set them up for the future or not set them up? And so that's where my interest in the school board came and really thinking about how do we create a strong public school education for all kids here in Durham. And it's interesting you point to some of those inequities in education in Durham because it's like the research triangle there. You have Duke right there. It is not... Um, an uneducated part of the state or the country. It's an area that values education. Do you think people are kind of blinded by that? Maybe they don't see the inequities that exist right in their own neighborhood? I think so. I think that we have a lot of new people who've moved into this area and may or may not have kids yet in the system. And so I think really making sure that there's a focus and an energy on our Durham Public School students really need um that connection, that energy, that access. And we have so many resources here. Mm -hmm. So how do we connect the right resources with the schools? I'd say we have an excellent superintendent now who's been doing a lot of that work to make sure our kids can feel connected to this area. And like you said, someone brought that up to you. And so you maybe, maybe didn't see it either. Why were you someone that someone would feel comfortable bringing that up to? Is it just because of the people in your circle, things you were doing already um, socially? 
Yeah, I work in a community-based organization here, and so I supported students and their families on their journey to college. Mm -hmm. We started in sixth grade and went all the way through college graduation. So I got to know families really, really well as they were traveling that journey. There's about 500 kids that I worked with, and so those relationships with students and families is really what made me kind of really interested in running. I also had a friend who was like, you should really do this. And so those, I think, interests and that friend nudging me really sparked my interest in this work. And I think created that comfortable space um, because I've been with those families for so long. We've been working together for six years. And you decided to run. Had You, you hadn't run for anything before then. Um, what would, Did you have expectations? Because I think a lot of people need to run for these kind of offices and they don't know what they're getting into. Did you know what you were getting into as a candidate for office? I had no clue. So I was originally appointed to my position. The school board member had resigned, and so I applied for that appointment in 2016. And then I ran in 2018. I asked all the questions to all of the other school board members and other elected officials that I knew to prepare for that run. And then also um, participated in some training with some really great organizations to figure out um, how to get connected Um Lillian's List does one, I think Emily's List does one, mm-hmm. a couple other places to do some training to help support candidates. So you were appointed, I imagine, because we've appointed people on our council as well or for other positions on like zoning. Um, I, that probably means that people knew you, you had some sort of good reputation. Um, so you were welcomed well from the start, I hope? Yeah. Yeah, I was. I would say the school board was open arms, welcome, and excited about um, bringing me on board and the leadership that I could provide, but the experience that I had with students and community, and I think um, was a really welcoming experience. I'm thankful for the board and the way they brought me on. So since you were brought on and you were newer, um, because you're reminding me of someone from Texas who I talked to recently, and I'll bring it up, but... um, what was your experience? Did you just kind of sit back and listen and absorb, or did you see things very quickly that you wanted to take on as a proactive project? I did a lot of listening and observing mm-hmm. and kept the experiences that I knew from students and families in the back of my head. So let's listen and observe. But wait a minute, if we're talking about a policy that we're saying this way happens, but I know students and families experience this differently, how do we close that gap? You know. And so I think I really tried to listen, but also make sure that I had those experiences in my head. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things we did a policy on was helping to, we have a lot of undocumented families here in Durham, and there was a fear that um, like police officers or ICE immigration office could come to school and you know start rounding up families. And so one of the biggest things we started working on was a policy to prevent some of that from happening. And that was a time where I was listening a lot, but I was remembering hearing these students and families talk about that fear. So how do we create a policy to help protect those students and families? Now, unfairly, there are people in other parts of North Carolina who their fear is the opposite, right? Like your fear there is protecting those kids. Maybe 20 minutes down the road, I don't know, their fear is that those families are coming into their town. And that's really unfortunate. I think we both agree. Um, you know, do you think that by making a welcoming environment, you have a lot of people who will want to come there because they know they're welcomed and it creates, you know, how do you bridge that gap with making sure you're welcoming, but not always focusing all your attention on that? Because that's yeah. not the only thing you're there for. Not that it's a bad thing, but like, how do you focus your attention appropriately? Yeah, I think it's always a as a school board member shifting the appropriate attention to where it needs to be and keeping a pulse on what's going on. I think we're lucky in Durham, we have a really welcoming city council and county commissioners who 
Um, and we also have a lot of community-based organizations who welcome families who are immigrants to this community. And so really working in partnership with those folks to say, hey, welcome, you're here. How do we get you in the right school setting? Is there other things you need like housing or partnerships? We can do that. And so I think we, we try to work in partnership with others to make sure that this is a really welcoming environment. Um, and I think we can do, I say we can walk and chew gum at the same time. So we're able to, hey, hey, we're going to welcome these families in. We've created an office actually in Durham Public Schools that does a lot of work welcoming families in who are um, immigrants here. And then we think about how do we educate you and get you plugged into the right classes. You know, I think people don't realize the amount of work that goes into being a school board member. And I'm sure you kind of, since you had some experience, maybe you knew that better than some other first time members. But mm -hmm. um, do you feel like you had to do a lot of work yourself or is the work kind of spread out so there's enough people that are taking chunks of it so you're not mentally, financially, emotionally exhausted? Yeah. I, anytime I feel exhausted, I go see students. And that reminds me of like, this is why mm -hmm. we are doing the work. Like go spend some time in elementary school and see these little heads and little um, kids as they're running across the hallways. It's the reminder of why. Mm -hmm. We try to split our work up on the school board, which is helpful. Great. So some of us focus on operations, some focus on academics. I, am, I studied education uh, in school. So the academics piece is where I like to spend a lot of my time. And I think that especially in the last two years with the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of that work has increased, but it's a reminder of why I do it all the time. How do we get kids in a really great school building with a really great teacher and administrator so they graduate with the skills that they need? Like that's why we're doing this work. So I think it grounds me often, even when it might feel like there's a lot of reading to do to prepare for a meeting or we want to have a lot of community conversations. Um, but I'll, work, I'll stay up late to make sure a kid has what they need. Oh, that's great. Uh, now, I'm on a council where I am, and we have a school board as well, we have a county commissioner's office, but a lot of times government feels siloed, so like we're thinking about the new trail that's going in, and our real, our only interaction in terms of government work is, with the school board, is like on taxing things, or, you know, are we sharing that property well? And granted, we're smaller than Durham, um, how should local governments, how, from your perspective, how do you see school boards working appropriately with other local governments and merging all those interests together? Yeah, so here in Durham, we um, work with our county commissioners. They fund us. So we don't have, as a school board, we don't have the taxing authority. So that's one way that we work with them. But I think the other thing that we have been, the city council, the county commissioners, and the school board considering is our work with youth and young people. So each one of our entities have some type of youth programming. How do we align that together so they get their education, but there's also parks and rec that can do after school and the county commissioners who are doing some other things. Like how do we get in alignment to make sure that we can support the young people in our, um, in our community? And that has been really great work that I've seen. So we've seen an internship program that's been launched from that. We see an office on youth who's been launched from that because we're all working together to make sure that happens. And then now I think we're expanding outside of just young people. Um, housing, affordable housing is a challenge in our community. Can we all three bodies work together? Because mm -hmm. that's a little bit outside of our school system's typical purview to make sure we can have affordable housing for our educators um, and some of the other people that work in those other city and county systems as well. So I think we're, we're constantly kind of collaborating. How can we all work together to make it happen for our community? Yeah, why is that so important, housing for educators? Because I imagine that I don't know about the situation in Durham too well, though I think that the house that my brother-in-law has, which I like a lot, 
probably would cost twice as much in my town or, you know, because of the way housing prices are going out of control and everywhere. Um, Why is that so important for the value of teachers and for students? Yeah, we want to keep and retain really great educators. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, they need to feel like they have a salary they can afford to live on Mm -hmm. and not have to work multiple jobs. And unfortunately, we hear a lot from some of our staff that they are working multiple jobs. So having affordable housing, especially in this triangle area, the housing market is kind of bananas here. Uh, If you watch the news, you'll see that um, the median average price of housing is like around, I think, the upper 300s. And on a teacher salary where you begin around $37,000, like that's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so really thinking about how do we create more affordable housing options to keep educators in Durham and they don't have to live an hour away or 40 minutes away and then commute into our thing and into our city. And all of that is because we want to keep good educators in our school building because that will help students learn more. So if we can provide you with a place to live that's affordable, let's do it. So you can stay working in our Durham area. Now education, it's great that you are a champion of it. And I imagine your colleagues are as well, I would hope, but, um, you know, uh, it's, uh, education is under such an attack right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, in school boards, not just very conservative areas, but all over the place with public comment, social media, state legislators um, all over the country. Um, are you seeing that where you are or do you feel more protected because of how Durham and your county are? I say both. And there are mm-hmm. some times where you feel like I am glad that our community is focused on equity. And so there are conversations that we can have here in Durham that I know in some other places, they're not having conversation about equity and what that means Mm -hmm. to support students who might be historically marginalized. Um, And then there also was a school board meeting that we had recently where some families came who were against masking in schools and they yelled and, um, you know, spoke about we were violating their constitutional rights. So it's not a, I think some people like to believe Durham is a monolith, that we're all the same, but people have varying and different perspectives. And so we are seeing more people kind of come to our meeting and share some perspectives that are different than what we've seen in the past. I do think the majority of folks in Durham are supportive of our board and the work that we're doing. Yeah, it's a, uh, I mean, I talked to someone from Florida and, you know, you can imagine from all the things you heard in Florida, like you hear it directly and it's really challenging. Uh now, the other thing about school boards, and I learned this from Run for Something, which I encourage anyone listening to check out Run for Something, great organization helping people become first-time candidates. Um, but school board members are often older, right? They don't have, uh, often don't have people in school or they're in their 50s plus, and that doesn't make them bad. But um, do you see that as a challenge in education? Not that people who are older are bad. There are good people and they deserve to be there, but that we need to get more younger people invested in being on these boards. Yeah, absolutely. I am, I can't tell from my voice, but I am 30 something. I'm just turned 34 yesterday. I was and, not going to comment on your age no matter what. <laughs> uh, and I, I think it's really important to have young people in office. I think it, we need both. We need veteran perspective and people that have history here, but we also need some young perspective that brings, I think, really creative solutions to the table. So I think we need all of that. I think there's oftentimes, you know, I remember when I was appointed, I felt like I was too young. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, can I be on the school board? I think I'm too young. I don't know enough yet. And then after talking with some folks, they were like, no, you have experience that you can share and contribute to that. So I think encouraging young people 
in creating space for young people to be on a board, on a commission, on in volunteer positions where they don't feel like, oh, I'm just a young person, but their voice is valued at the table is vital for our um, for politics and keeping young people in the space. Yeah, I find uh, that's why you're reminding me of Jasmine Crockett. She is running for Congress in Texas. She's a state legislator. She was a first-time legislator, um, a young black woman as well. And they're like, first-time legislators usually sit and wait their turn. She's like, I don't know if I have another turn. I have to Mm -hmm. use this. And and, um, so it's really exciting to see her run for Congress. Um, As a younger person running for office, though, um, in an office, what are some of the things you would tell people who are younger about you know, what they should keep in mind getting into politics. It might be different for you because maybe things are, obviously things are easier and more difficult in Durham than they are in, um, you know, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. I would say know your why, like know really clearly why you're interested in running for office, write it down and like keep it in front of you all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, there will be times where people will want to pull you in different directions, but if you can center yourself on why you're interested in doing the work, you'll know, I think the answers will become clear when it comes time to really tough decisions. And then I would say find mentors and people that can talk to you um, and give you experiences and share their thoughts and help give you guidance. I think that's really important. And then build a community um, of folks that are going to support you. They might tell you when you're like, "Mm, I think you're getting a little off here, but we'll also give you the support when you need it. Um, And soak up all the different learnings that you can. Those would be my advice for folks. Yeah. So there's all this pushback from state legislatures right now, which are getting so, you know, wrapped up in national politics. I think, you know, probably from your experience as well, education was not supposed to be nationalized in that way. Um, my last podcast from North Carolina was Representative Ashton Clemens, and mm-hmm. she was she's an educator as well in the state in North Carolina, and she was it was her top issue above all else. What do state what do you, what's your relationship with the legislature as a school board member? Like, do you talk to yours and try and get things done? Or are you just constantly, you know, pulling out your hair because of what's going on? You don't, you're, you have hair. So I assume you haven't been doing that, but <laughs> uh, sometimes I pull it out, but uh, we have an amazing Durham delegation is what we call their state representatives. I actually met with them this morning mm-hmm. who are always listening around education issues. One is a former educator himself. And so I think we work really closely together to share. It is um, frustrating often because in North Carolina, the state and the General Assembly has so much connection to what happens in education. So for instance, when a budget wasn't passed in North Carolina for multiple years, that meant that our teachers and educators were not getting a raise. Mm -hmm. And so until that budget was passed, about took about four years. Now they're getting a raise, which is about 5%, and it's split up uh, two and a half over each year. It creates a like, okay, we're trying to keep and retain great educators, but we can't pay them really well because they went this long time. So I think that is the tension that we often feel with the state. And there's some money that's available in our state legislature. I think they have about $6 billion. We want to see that in education. Um, there's a court case, this Leandro case that is here that is talking about how we have not fully funded the schools to do and create a sound basic education for our students. So please, state legislator, fund that so that we can make sure that we give our students what we need. And I think coming off of the two years of navigating schools in the COVID-19 pandemic, 
needs are even stronger. We see there's a mental health crisis with students. There's learning loss crisis with students. We need to make sure that we are able to address those. And so funding from our state is going to be key in making that happen. And so sometimes that pulls my pull my hair out a little bit when it feels like there's a slowness to fully fund the schools in the way that they need. It's extra frustrating when those same people will talk about how wages haven't kept up with inflation. And they're the ones that are basically pulling the strings of the wages. Yes. They have a big purse, you know, (laughs) open it up and let us get some more for those wages. So, you know, I think that education is, I I have a kid in second grade and in kindergarten now, Um, you know, they, it it was really hard doing virtual learning and I hope we never go back to that again. Um, Though the teachers I thought were great. Um, What, what are the things you think that we need to focus on that maybe people don't realize? Like, whether it's later start times or um, the kinds of homework or non-homework. What are the things that people as voters should keep in mind about how education can be better? Yeah, I think there's, we can definitely continue to, and we will continue to educate students really well with those academic skills. But I think some of the social and emotional skills um, is another area that people maybe don't think about. Mm -hmm. But we are seeing it as educators as a really need to be a focus this year. So Mm -hmm. you said you had a second grader, which may have meant it was like kindergarten when all of this started. And I've heard from second grade teachers who said the students just missed a lot of how to interact with each other, how to talk to each other, how to resolve conflict. And so I think that's been a focus for our district. And I think something that unless you have kids, it may not always come to your brain around how do we make sure we're teaching kids how to work together, how to navigate conflict resolution how to have their own self-efficacy, mm-hmm. um, some of those social-emotional skills, which are vital. And we just, and I would maybe say even us as adults missed out on a lot of those skills in that stay-at-home time. How do we help rebuild some of those skills, which is really important. Or we never had those skills to begin with. Like, I <laughs> I don't think I was taught that necessarily when I was in high school. I was mm-hmm. um, in the 90s. And, you know, I've seen something that really bothers me with things that's happening in education and elsewhere um, are the attacks on LGBTQ youth and the suicide rates, whether it's actual suicide or just, you know, people admitting that they have thought about it, are 40 plus percent for people who are LGBTQ. Um, is that something that goes along with that? Because Durham, like you said, is such a welcoming community uh, and people might not realize it. Yeah, we have been working to really make sure that we're training our staff well to support students and families who are LGBTQ. And I think when you talk about that mental health crisis, that's another group of folks who are really experiencing that acutely. And so Mm -hmm. how do we get folks aware of warning signs, get counselors in the schools to make sure that we can address those issues. I think our community in Durham is really welcoming and I think that's great. So we need to make sure that we're leaning into that um, and supporting families when there is a challenge that's coming up. Great. So uh, the podcast is called You Should Run. And, you know, right now I think a lot of people are feeling just frustrated or nervous about things. What would be your words of encouragement to people who might be considering, um, well, maybe they're considering just tuning out. How would you encourage people to stay tuned in and to get involved, potentially run for office? Yeah, I um, could understand the urge to tune out. I feel like it's been a challenging couple of years, maybe even six years, I would say. (laughs) But I think like the decisions that are being made today are going to affect us not just tomorrow, but the next 5, 10, 15 years. And tuning in means that we can have 
some say in what those decisions are and help bend our country towards the justice that we want to see. And so I would say encourage folks, whether it's you vote on primary day, whether you get involved on a board or commission, whether you run for office, like we need, we can't, we can't stop fighting now. Even though we're tired, we got to keep fighting to make sure we have what we want and what see the communities that we want to see. And I would say on the local level, especially, um, we see a lot of people who will come out for presidential elections, but the local level, your school board, your city council, your county commissions, your DA's office, like they have so much influence over your day-to-day lives. And so please, please, please at least go vote and get connected to those because the decisions today impact us for five, 10, 15 years to come. And that will shape and shift our generations to come. You know, before I finish here, you just mentioned, see, get the justice that you want to see. What's the justice that you want to see as an educator and, and school board leader? Yeah, I want all kids, but especially kids who have been historically left behind. So for me, that is Black and Latino students or Latinx students to succeed in school. And I would add students with disabilities, students who are English language learners. Like the justice for me is that we no longer look at some of those subgroups and are able to determine what their outcomes can be, that there's no longer this predictability. And so we are seeing that students come in, they get what they need, and they graduate ready for college or career. They have a great educator to do that, and they have a beautiful school building to do that in, and they leave ready to go on to what's next to get a career with a job that they can afford to live and support a family if that's their choice. They go on to college and work um, and get that education and then go on to work, whatever their decision is. But I want them to be prepared for that and have the skills they need to succeed. Uh, wonderful. And lastly, you know, I've just talked with my new congresswoman because of redistricting, so she'll be my new congresswoman. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I said was like, now, and that's on a Congress level, like, how can you give people hope right now? Like, is it, do you, is there a way that you can leave people looking at the state of the world, state of education, and feel hopeful for the future? Um, my, I think I said this earlier, hope comes with the students. Mm-hmm. You're right, you said that. And realizing that they are the next generation. And so we gotta, as hopeless as it might feel for some of the adults, like, the students are coming. The high school students that I work with are talented and creative and innovative, and I can't wait for them to run for office. And then I think if you can look at the leaders in your community that you support, get behind them, get on their campaigns, help support them in however ways you can. I think those are the, the glimmers of hope that we need. There are great leaders out here who are leading, who are running for office. Support those folks and lean, uh, lean into that for the hope that we need to see. And then for our kids, we got to remain hopeful. So hopefully one of the ways people can remain hopeful is following you and learning more about you. If people want to learn more about you, about Durham Public Schools uh, and what you're doing, what's the best way they can follow you online on social, et cetera? Yes. So you can follow me on social media at BettinaUmstead.com. Excuse me. On Twitter at BettinaUmstead. Uh, I can spell it out. Is that all right? I'll put it in the description. It's okay. Okay, great. I was, it's, it's long, but Bettina Umstead, I'm on Twitter and on Facebook, and my website is also BettinaUmstead.com. Um, if you Google me, I'll pop right on up. I bet you were glad that no one else had taken Bettina Umstead by the time you got there, right? Like, there wasn't another one. There's another Tony Hile yes, out there. Thank you to my parents for my wonderful, unique name. It's I good. Love. Yes, it's very good. My son is like, I have an Anthony Hile for somebody we call him AJ, so we'll... Uh, you know, he'll have to figure out his own email address at some point. Um, yeah. 
Well, I'm encouraged. I'm glad I reached out to you. I think Durham's a great place, and it does give me some hope uh, for the future. So if you're listening, maybe you'll run for office, and please follow Bettina and learn more. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. This was great. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends, I can tell that we are gonna be friends, walk with me, Susie Lee, through the park and by the tree, we will rest upon the ground and look at all the bugs we found. Safely walk to school without a sound. Safely walk to school without a sound.